Hi, welcome to Coffee and Creatives. In this episode, we talk about pages 39 through 52 of Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. I drink whiskey, Becca gives a kombucha recommendation, and we discuss artists such as Mary Cassatt, Degas, Andy Squires, and Ed Sheeran. All right, um, Christina, what are you drinking this evening? I'm drinking a nice red Maltepociano. Ooh. That I left open all night last night. <laughs> so I'm not extra sure decanted. Okay. <laughs> I'm really not sure it tastes fine to me. So seems like it's probably good. Seems fine. <laughs> we'll find out. decanted. Right. Oh, um, <laughs> Noel, what about you? What are you drinking? Um, I am drinking this skin tea, sparkling tea that skin Sam tea? got. Yeah, he got this for me. He's like, for your podcast. Aw, that's cute. And it, it's like green tea and grapefruit stuff. I mean, it's, it tastes good. Is it fizzy? Yeah, and it's supposed to be like really good for your skin, which is why oh, it's called it's skin Oh, <laughs> it's not yeah, made no. out of skin. It's not made out of skin. It's not like... Yeah. Maybe. It's like a Harry Potter drink. Skin tea. Skin tea. Oh, um, gross. <laughs> what are you drinking, Becca? I am drinking uh, kombucha. It is um, Brew Doctors Organic oh, Rosemary yeah. Mint Sage Green Tea Clear Mind Kombucha. And it is the best kombucha I've ever had. It's really mm. good. It has all of the good kombucha taste and doesn't have the like bad taste in some of them. Some kombuchas I love, some I think are absolutely disgusting. But yeah, yeah I've only like had that. Yeah, it's good. What's it called again? Dr. Brew. No, Brew Doctor. Brew Doctor. I have to look that up. I think I've only had kombucha like once in my life and I was not a fan of it, but that doesn't yeah. mean that I... The worst is when somebody's like, I made this in my moldy basement like three years ago. You <laughs> oh. have to drink it or I'll be offended. You're like, cool. Oh. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. I really appreciate it. Yay. <laughs> it's actually against my religion or something. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it turns out I can't because I'm... Uh, dead. Um, <laughs> so it will shortly be. <laughs> Actually, I just, I don't want to die, so I don't want to The same person who offered me her, like, old homemade kombucha also offered me to eat some of her placenta. Oh, no. Oh, to no. which I said no to both. Yeah. Oh. Just placenta? say, I got my own placenta, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need yours. Like, I just was snacking on my own. <laughs> I'm yeah. awful for placenta. <laughs> She's like, you can put it in your eggs. I was like, I'm good. I'm actually, I, I think might. my eggs are going to be okay with it. <laughs> More of a sriracha person, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, really, you are either a sriracha person or a placenta person. There's, right. You have to be one of those. Right. <laughs> one, of the, one of the two. Uh, well, Nate, what are you drinking? Sriracha? No. Placenta. What are you? I've got sriracha in a rocks glass. No, I um, <laughs> I am drinking Jameson uh, Black Barrel. Triple distilled Irish whiskey. I miss that so much. So fancy. I love how we have a really fancy person now. (laughs) (laughs) Brings up the class as we all are drinking some corn and vinegar tea. (laughs) My nasty wine. I mean, you know, wine is. Wait, is that the one we got you? That's a different one. That sounds nicer than the one we got you. Um, this, that is not the one you guys got me. The one oh, okay. you guys got me is, um, Woodford Reserve. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm, I remember. Um, I heard Jameson. that one. Yeah, this actually, this, this did come from a friend, though. It was, um, one of my friends came to visit, and we generally go to the liquor store when this particular friend visits, and he picked it up, so, and then left it here, which I am not upset about. This sounds like nice. Joe. Uh, it's actually, it's not Joe, actually. It is, what? it's my friend Eric. I don't know if he's listening to this. Hi, Eric, if you're listening. <laughs> Thank you for this delicious whiskey. Um, so we're, so we're talking this week about, uh, The War of Art, pages 39 through 52. Um, does anybody want to share just, like, general first impressions of this section? Um, any thoughts before we jump into talking about, like, challenges and some quotes that I've pulled out? Nope. 
<laughs> okay. Cool. Wait, what's the ending page again? I always forget. Uh, 52? En ending, yeah, ending page is 52. Um, okay. While you're looking for it, I will say that I was going to gloss over this, but then I had an experience that um, just was exactly this. Um, I It talks about fear on page 40, which we sort of already covered uh, in, a, in like a previous section, but talks about, you know, professionals doing things specifically because they're afraid of it. Um, and uh, about how if you're afraid of something, it means you should probably do it. And I just had this audition for Little Shop of Horrors. And, like, during callbacks and, like, before the cast list came out, I was really, like, terrified not of not getting the role, but of getting the role. Mm. Um, just because it's... I. I have not done very many musicals. The last time I was in a musical, I was a child. And um, so it's it's like a, it's new territory uh, and a lot of work. And I'm not a person who has a tremendous amount of energy. And I want to make sure that I do a good job. So um, I thought it was interesting that, like I said, I was going to gloss over that. But I thought it was a, a, an apt thing to, to be reading right around this time. Mm. Synchronicity. Hey, yo. Yeah. <laughs> When I was reading this, I kept on thinking he is like the anti-Julia Cameron <laughs> in some mm. ways because he's like, it doesn't have to be fun. Stop trying to make it fun. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> like but it but it could be fun and that would be okay, right? But... What if it is fun? Is that is that good? Is, is that, that good? okay? Is that That's fun? resistance. If you feel fun, you are resisting. <laughs> if, you, if you're having fun, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's good, that, like, fear, I don't know, because fear is, like, we talk about fear a lot, I think, mm -hmm. as, like, you know, overcome it, like, how do we not, I don't know, succumb to it, and, like, I think Julie Cameron talked a little bit about, like, utilizing it or using it, or maybe that was more of a Twilight thing, but, um, yeah, I think if you can, like, use it and redirect it and use it as, like, a compass... Yeah. Um, like he said, you know. I think there is a distinction. It. There's some fears that are, like, actually things that are dangerous and not good for you. Mm -hmm. Like, like I have a fear of being an alcoholic. I don't, I'm not an alcoholic, but, <laughs> like, I have, like, a family, like, ancestry that were alcoholics. And so I always am, like, not always, but, like, sometimes I'm like, I just need to be extra careful that I don't let myself slip into that. And that's, like, a good fear. But, like, mm -hmm. having a fear of, like, auditioning for a little shop of horrors, <laughs> that's, like, a fear to, like, lean into because you're afraid of it because you want it but also aren't sure that you can do it. So I think yeah, there's right. a little bit of, like, like not everything that you're afraid of. Like, my calling is not to be an alcoholic. You know? <laughs> if you're afraid of it, you have to do it. You yeah. have to do it, Becca, now. Me, yes. So I think there, and I don't know if there's a, I have a word for the distinction between those two fears, but just because you're afraid of something doesn't mean that you should do it. Right, but there are think, lots of things that you're afraid of that you should do. You right, know? yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there's a there's that sort of self-preservation-oriented fear that is wise. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's yeah. the sort of irrational, like, I'm afraid of this because everything in my body is reacting against something that I probably should do, but is going yeah. to be difficult. Which would be interesting is how do you figure out which one it is? That's mm -hmm. true. Sometimes yeah. it's really obvious, and other times it's really not. Yeah, well, and especially when we're just talking about, like, Creates creating or like artistic work. I was just thinking, like, has there ever any, has there ever been any time when, like, in a creative setting where it's been that kind of fear where it's like, oh, you're afraid and you should be afraid and you shouldn't, you know? Yeah. Like, or is it always like, is it always like a positive thing? I'm just I'm literally yeah. thinking That's a good out loud. Question. I think there's definitely a lot of, in my experience, um, there's been some really unhealthy art professors that, um, like, I took this class with this one guy, and he just, like, I don't think he was in a good headspace for his own art, and he was very um, creatively unhealthy, 
And like looking back, I had the opportunity to take draw another drawing class with him, and I had this like fear, but I couldn't quite understand why I was mm. af- like I just didn't want to do it. It's like why don't I want to do that? And now looking back, you know, as a 28 year old, I can look back and say to like 19 year old Noel, it's because you were afraid because he was a bad influence mm. for your creativity. Yeah, that's a good so example. So I do. Th- yeah, I do think there are sometimes where we're like afraid, and it's like because it's not a good fit, because that's not going to be good for you um, or yeah. for your art. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense. Um, let's go ahead and jump into uh, the first challenge. Um, on page 42, uh, we have this quote If you're feeling resistance, the good news is it means there's tremendous love there, too. If you didn't love the project that's terrifying you, you wouldn't feel anything. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. Um, And then later on page 46, Pressfield talks about his characters and his work being more interesting to him than his real life. Um, Mm -hmm. So the first challenge is write down three or more things you love about your art. Um, And I gave some questions to get you started. You know, what made you start your current project? What keeps you going back to it? What makes it more exciting and interesting than the rest of your life and then keep this list and add to it over time as a weapon against resistance. Um, so, uh, Noel, would you like to share yours first? Mm. Yes, I had a very hard time with this. This was harder than I thought, actually. It was harder yeah. than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> Who wrote these? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I... I really liked this exercise. It was very difficult, but it was also one of those things that, like, I was able to talk to some... I was able to talk to Sam, my husband, and a couple of my other, like, really close friends that we talk about art a lot um, and get some good feedback, like, what do you like about my art? And then be able to be like, yeah, I like that, too. So for mm. me, is like, the emotional aspect of it, um, of... Um, I had a friend who used the word catharsis mm. as describing my artwork, and I was like, yes, that, that is kind of, that I never thought of that word with my art, but that definitely makes sense. Um, so I like that, and I like playing with colors and having fun using different types of mediums, and I enjoy that in the final product. Um, so the catharsis sort of like self-therapy and then the fun element, and then just, you know, drawing people that I know and love, and I feel like that helps me celebrate them. So those are, those are some of the things that I came up with. Cool. Yeah, catharsis, I think, is probably, that's, I, I have to imagine that it's that way for a lot of people. Um, yeah. So I think everybody is sort of processing something with their art, usually. Um, yeah, I agree with that. What about, um, what about you, Becca? Um, I think, okay, so the first one I have is that I love like fantasy literature, that's my favorite, um, so that it paints pictures with your thoughts, so directly into your mind. I really like that if it's done well, it becomes like a memory in your mind instead of like going through another medium to get to a memory. It just like instantly becomes the memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how the stories we tell, how they shape our identity and like our friends also shape our identity. So novels give you um, stories and different friends and can shape the kind of people who read them a little bit, not like a lot, but some. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love how tangible and concrete it is where um, you can just really latch on to like words. And I just love words. I think words are amazing, um, just magic. So words, 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 words. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm about um, to teach Hamlet and I'm so excited. That is very exciting. I love the Hamlet teaching years. That's awesome. Um, that reminds me of, I think there was a, the, your second one about um, stories sort of shaping the people who read them. I think there was like a study of like people who read Harry Potter as kids or something versus people who didn't and those who did were like 
likely to be more tolerant or, and things like that of people who are different That's from so themselves. I don't have I like have a heard citation about this for this study, but I have never actually seen it. No, I've never but seen I've it either. So this talk could be. About it. I could be wildly and wantonly spreading misinformation, but I, it's, it's, it's something that I've heard of. <laughs> That's really interesting. It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what about you, Christina? What are your three things? Um, yeah, this was like tricky for me too, because I was thinking, I don't know how you guys saw it as like a broad thing or like a specific you know what I mean like broadly I think I went more broad not like, yeah that's kind yeah. of what I was thinking um, mostly but I guess so one thing was just like seeing kind of like a vision of something or like I don't know you know how you have like an idea whether it's like a song or a painting or like a story and you can like see it and you just like have to figure out like how to get it mm -hmm. out you know in like a tangible way and I really I really like I think that process just like in life whatever it is like planning something or whatever yeah. and so yeah I really I love that process as like maddening as it can be and like as mm -hmm. difficult I guess like as it can be at times um and then hold on I'm gonna figure out where my notes were um and also i i let i love that it's like personal but like not me it's like part of me kind of like i guess a child it's like my baby <laughs> um so i don't know i just i love that it can be like very personal and very um inward but also outside of yourself and universal yeah and universal mm -hmm. through like those specific things and I guess the other thing I wrote down was that kind of like what Noelle said like the it being cathartic or just like losing track of time or like I don't know when I come away and it's like whoa I've been working on that for an hour and like where did the time go and it's like oh, I need more time but like it's so great to have something like that that you do get kind of like lost in mm -hmm. um, so I guess, yeah, that was it. What about you, Nate? Um, so my three things, and like, I, candidly, I, you know, I wrote this challenge and I was like, keep this list and add to it over time and let it be a weapon against resistance. Like, I don't know that that's actually going to happen for me because it was hard for me to even come up with these three things. Um, and I like haven't looked at them since I wrote them. But, um, but it was, I mean, I, what I came up with was, um, the first thing is in the act of writing lyrics, I'm often processing like my emotions and circumstances that are happening at the time. So my art is helping me grow in understanding and expression mm -hmm. of the things that I'm thinking and feeling. So it's, it's doing something for me as I'm making it um, and sort of almost making me better as I'm making it because I'm gaining a better understanding of what's happening and, and sort of getting hopefully closer to the other side of whatever I'm going through. Um, and the second thing, um, which is sort of a result of that, is that I, I love that each song that I write sort of serves as a time capsule, because um, it captures whatever was happening at the time that I was writing it. Or if I'm writing, I'm, doing, I'm writing a song right now that's, called, that's sort of, I'm looking back to when I was feeling a particular way, but even that is like, it's, it's just sort of opening a window to a particular period of time in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, I had a question about that. I'll try to make it quick. Um, yeah, yeah. One of your songs, um, oh, I forget what it's called. The one where it's like, I could be the one. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let, yeah, Let You Down. Let You Down, that's it. Okay, so that song, I remember when you were writing it, and yeah. like all the things that you were going through and like it was just like a lot and it was really intense but this was like maybe five years ago probably around there song? yeah maybe? yeah it was like not that long after college yeah and like i just wonder like when you sing it now does it mean something different to you or do you still like revisit all of those like like because there were a lot of like 
things going on. <laughs> there like, were a lot of things. You're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so and like, do you do you revisit like the place you were in there, or does it mean something different for you now? Or I guess just like in general for musicians when they write and sing music. I guess Christina, this is true for you too. Like, when you write a song and you sing it like years later. Are you in that same place? Like, do you go back to that same place and kind of experience that again? Or does it change and, like, become, like, something different for you when you sing it? It probably is, like, way more nuanced, and I'm oversimplifying it. I, I would be interested in, in hearing Christina's thoughts on this as well. For me, I think it varies from song to song. Oh, yeah. There's There are certain things that, like, I... There are certain things that I've written songs about that I really am all the way past. And mm-hmm. so, like, if I if I go back and sing it, like, I can think, like, oh, yeah, like, this is really accurate for the time, but I don't necessarily feel those things when I sing it. Or some of them I find end up also applying to something else, maybe, that's going on now. Like, I can, I can like, if I sing that song, um, that's one that I, I wrote about how I was feeling about a particular person, and it's sort of, you know, I can sort of, if I if I get into a place where I like am feeling a similar way about someone else, mm-hmm. then it it can it can sort of it's a way to express those same feelings. But it really depends. I, I do have other songs that like that song isn't really one of them. But I do have some songs that whenever I sing them, I really am like right back in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one song in particular that makes me very sad to sing, <laughs> and like but but I still do it because I you know the one about whiskey. Uh, that one. That one makes, that one me, makes sad. me so sad when you sing it. I like almost always cry. That, oh, that actually, well, I mean, not Nate's that I like, want to make people sad. No, that's actually not the one that I was referring to, but that, but that one does, it does that to an extent as well. That is definitely the saddest song that I've written, but... Um, I don't know, what do you, Christina. What do you think Whiskey's about that? Whiskey's a metaphor, in case you are worried. It is a metaphor, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always, I tend to like explain that when I before I sing it, because if you listen to that song thinking that it's literally walk away <laughs> like, thinking oh, it's that not like, I have a, this is a girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I need to hear that one. Yeah, I think, um, I think more often for me, I do kind of go back there. Yeah. Um, now I don't perform a lot, so. I guess that's like questionable, but if I like pull out an old song and I play it, I think a lot of times I end up kind of like going back to like when I wrote that or like why I wrote mm-hmm. it. Um, but but I think there are some times where it's the opposite, where it's like, yeah, I wrote this, but this actually kind of applies to this other person or this other situation or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So I do think it kind of depends, but probably more often I'm like, Oh man, I remember that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not a I, bad thing, but. Yeah. I have to imagine that this varies a lot from person to person and from song to song. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good question, though, Becca. Yeah, um, quick question. Snaps <laughs> But uh, yeah. Because <laughs> so, I was watching this documentary on like Bob Dylan, and he like doesn't even remember writing some of the songs he wrote. Like, wow. people will read back the lyrics of certain songs and be like, oh, yeah, that's really good. And they'll be like, you wrote that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't remember. Like, that's wild. Lot of drugs. <laughs> right. That and the fact that he wrote, like, a lot of songs. Yeah, and a like, lot of songs, yeah. yeah. over a long period of time. Mm. Um, but, and he'd be um, like, yeah, I don't even know what this means. And everybody would be like, that's profound. He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't like, remember. That, <laughs> he's I don't like, think it's on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> that's, that actually that seems maybe healthy actually to just be constantly <laughs> moving forward. Um, but uh, it's like the the uh, monkey in the Lion King, like never look back, right. always look forward. Rafiki is just following Bob Dylan. Rafiki, Bob Dylan, right? On the same wavelength, same, same vibes. <laughs> um, but uh, so my. My last thing that I wrote down that I love about my art was, and this is like kind of questionable because the first part of it's like probably not super healthy, but um, I take a really long time to write a song, and part of that is because I really want to get it exactly right. That's the part of it that I don't think is super healthy. I think sometimes it's better to just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing, the other part of it about it that I do think is good is I'll sometimes challenge myself in specific ways. So like recently, I've been really struck by how um, folks like. 
uh, Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift, inspired by uh, like hip hop artists and how they write lyrics, uh, put a lot of like internal rhyme in their lyrics. So it's not just the end of the line that rhymes. There's like a lot of stuff happening in between that ties that ties mm-hmm. the words together. And I love internal so rhyme. I do too. And I've been <laughs> I've been you know recently trying to do more of that. So there's like a challenge. And so I. When I finish a song, because I've taken so long and, like, tried to get it exactly right, I end up usually pretty happy with, like, the mechanics of it. Mm. Um, Whether it's, like, a set of lyrics that, like, expresses something in really the way that I wanted to or, like, a melody that's really fun to sing. Um, I tend to, like, I tend to end up in a place where, like, I worked on this song for, like, two months and I think I like it now, (laughs) you know? Mm. Um, That's good. That gives me hope. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) two months is generous by the way i definitely have songs on my phone that i started over a year ago that are not done yet but um, took da vinci 13 years to paint the mona lisa hey that's good to know that's fine maybe more than that maybe it's 20 but that's uh that's good that's encouraging maybe maybe when i'm like in my 40s i'll have some of these songs done um. Oh my gosh! One time I went to the Prada in um, Spain, which is like their like Louvre, Spain's Louvre, and there's mm-hmm. another Mona Lisa. Like there's two, and Spain has the like the one with her in a red shirt instead of the other one. And I like called Noel later that day. I was like, "Did you know there's another Mona Lisa?" And she's like, "Yeah, how did you not know that?" I was like, "Forget you." <laughs> I am learning so much right now. I did not know that. Don't yeah, know I think his apprentice did most of the lesser Mona Lisa. You can correct I think me so. Well. Mm. I think so. We have very few, like, uh, so Da Vinci, I feel like Da Vinci is a really good example of, like, maybe an unhealthy artist. We don't know, I don't know that much <laughs> about it. But we don't have that much of his work because he destroyed so much of it. And he mm-hmm. also experimented so much. Like, the stuff we have is pretty cool, but, like, we could have had so much more if he like didn't mm. like yeah but interesting so, like we only have like 30 less than 30 da vinci paintings i think again i could be wrong like nate said earlier be <laughs> spreading misinformation right now <laughs> but yeah like da vinci and vermeer we don't have that much stuff 30 seems like, like a lot to me but i don't paint um so before we go on to the next challenge, I wanted to have a quick discussion about this quote. I want to know if you guys agree or disagree with it. On pages 48 and 49, um, it says, Remember, the part of us that we imagine needs healing is not the part we create from. That part is far deeper and stronger. The part we create from can't be touched by anything our parents did or society did. That part is unsullied, uncorrupted, soundproof, waterproof, and bulletproof. In fact, the more troubles we've got, the better and richer that part becomes. Um, the part that needs healing is our personal life. And this is sort of the crux of the quote. Um, personal life has nothing to do with work. Um, agree, disagree, why? Becca, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I lean more towards agreeing than disagreeing. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I think when someone is doing their art purely for, like self-processing of things they are I don't usually think it's very good <laughs> like <laughs> if it's only about them processing themselves yeah it's so inward sure. focusing focused that it's just kind of like meaningless to people outside of them mm. or just very like it's only for them but I think if you create art only for you, that's fine. But I think to remove the self completely from the artist, I think it's two-sided. It's you communicating with somebody else. So if you remove you, it's not art. But if you remove the other person, well, I mean, if you remove you, I guess it is. Like, But it, you have to have, like, you write, if you write only for yourself, it's not going to, com- a part of art is communicating to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you write only for others, there's going to be a hollowness to it. So I think you need both sides and they need to like yeah. kind of be in balance. So I don't know, I think specifically of like really weird paintings people do. They're like, oh, I've processed all of my 
self. This is like, my spiritual journey into the <laughs> yeah, yeah, seventh like, realm. Somebody like, like vomited on a piece of paper. Like, okay, but it doesn't look like anything, <laughs> and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, or <laughs> there's like this terrible artist who I saw in this one museum that I like hated. What's his name? The guy with the basketballs and like the fish tanks. That you know is not. About? That is not ringing a bell. He, he's like infamous. And he also did all these like pornographic things. Warhol? Like, no, but he knew Basquiat, and he probably knew Warhol too. He's still alive. He's weird. I anyway, his you. his was like, and he did this thing with vacuum cleaners, vacuums, the basketballs, and the fish tanks. Tons I don't know who you're stuff. talking about. I don't know. It sounds wild. Yeah. Modern art is weird. He's like That's a true. premier person in modern art. Oh, yeah. Um. I don't think Banksy likes him very me. much, though. But anyway, like his I don't stuff... know if Banksy likes anybody, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, like, I feel like if it's too introspected and about self, it, I'm talking for a really long time, it loses the communicative nature of art, which I think is pretty fundamental. But if you, you don't have any reflection of self and catharsis and, like, personal life in it, then it is hollow. So I think really you need both. That is my very long answer for a pretty simple idea. <laughs> Christina or Noel, you guys, what are your thoughts? Either one of you. Uh, I just, like, some of it I thought made sense, and some of it, like, where he's, when he says um, it can't be touched by anything our parents did or society did, I don't know, like, how you can square, like, your art not being affected by how you grew up. Mm-hmm. Or like how society looks, because mm -hmm. I just think like that's your experience, like that's your framework, that's like the basis of kind of like your worldview and your framework for life. Yeah. And so I, I don't know how that doesn't like affect your art. Now maybe that's not what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe that's not quite what he means. Um, yeah, I don't know. When he says like it's soundproof and waterproof, it's like. I don't know, but I also think, yeah, I also think like what Becca was saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then the only other thing was like when he says the more troubles we've got, the better and richer that part becomes, which I think he's talking about like the work part, like the, yeah, the, the creative, art part, which we've talked a lot about on here, like tortured artists versus like healthy artists. So mm -hmm. that's kind of like a whole nother thing. But those were the two things that I was just kind of like, mm, I don't know. So. Yeah, like, I think this is the specific part in the reading this week that I was like, anti-Julia Cameron. <laughs> um, but I think this also probably has some to do with, like, what he, what he makes, because he does, like, historical novels, right? That's what Stephen Pressfield yeah. writes. I should know the answer to that question, yes, but he I does. don't. He, so, like, he just came out with one. Yeah. Hmm. So I feel like there's a lot of research involved in that and maybe not as, like, like it, maybe it's not, it's a different type of art than, mm -hmm. like, writing a song or something like that. Or, or a, a even a fantasy. Or something like, yeah. 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 Um, also, people love to read into everybody's work. Mm -hmm. Like... Oh, mm. this is really saying about them that they have mother issues. You see how they drew that circle there? That's showing that mm. they have problems right. with their mom. You know, like... Right, and maybe not. So, making everything, like, about the artist when maybe some things are not necessarily, mm -hmm. like... Like watching Christina's musical and be like, see, she is in prison. She is enchained inside herself, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah. Well, Steve, yeah, like, I just think of Stephen Sondheim. He was always telling people, like, no, that's not me. Like, Sweeney Todd, that's not me. I hope not. Bobby from Company, like, no, it's not. <laughs> Everybody was convinced, like, all these characters that he wrote were, like, because they were all, a lot of them were, like, anti-heroes or whatever, and he was mm -hmm. like, no, it's not me. <laughs> They're like, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. The thing that I think is interesting about this quote is that like he's talking to, he he does say like you pointed out like the um if we have more troubles then like the creative self is like healthier and stronger but then he like turns around and says personal life has nothing to do with work. Yeah. But like you just you kind of just said that it does have something to do with work and I almost feel like 
this is this. We've we've talked a lot up to this point about how Pressfield tends to be very black and white in his in his thinking, and I almost feel like right here he shoots himself in the foot a little bit mm-hmm. because he's like in an, in an effort to like make like a hard and fast statement about the nature of like the personal self versus the creative self. He sort of says two different things, both of which are like really sort of like axiomatic and like you if you say either one by itself it's a really strong statement but then when you put them together there's a they don't really jive um and so it's i i feel like there's nuance here that probably exists in his thinking but it's like because he's if there wasn't no if there were not nuance he wouldn't have these two different takes so close to each other um but I don't know. I, it struck me as odd that he seems to be saying two different things. Yeah, I feel um, like we could talk about that like a whole episode. Right. <laughs> like yeah. that concept. Yeah. Um, and but, two of his like examples are Bob Dylan and John Lennon, who like pretty famously, at least John Lennon, like did a lot of drug experimentation with like detachment of self and like. Mm. And like you know, lots of stuff with LSD where people have breakthroughs is they're able to detach from their ego and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that, like, those guys are like great artists, but that is a specific experience that they really like capitalized on. Though I'm sure that people <laughs> were <sued>. capitalizing. <laughs> um, and that's not everybody's experience. That was just kind of part of what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But did. I am going to show my musical ignorance here for a second. Did Lennon write Let It Be? No. Or was that no. Paul McCartney? That's McCartney. No, that was, that was McCartney. Yeah. Okay. Like, I feel like McCartney... And he wrote is, it for his child. Yeah. Yeah. Saying, and, like, it's okay, you can fall in love. Yeah. Like... McCartney sometimes, like, when I listen to the Beatles, I love the Beatles. Um, fun fact, my husband does not, and this is a constant, like, I'll be playing oh, the Beatles, and I'll be like, divorce him. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, everybody's got a flaw. That's Sam's flaw. Um, <laughs> but it's like, when I listen to him, I think, like, is this by McCartney, or is this by Lennon? And I never look it up, but I really should. Mm. But I think about that, because, like, I like McCartney better than Lennon. I tend to as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what about I you, Christina? If... Do you hate the Beatles? No, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> I Across think the you... Universe is one of my favorite movies. It's a, that's a great movie. Scared hates that movie. Oh, hates wow. It I did not know because that. Because he hates the music in it. Because oh. he says all of the songs are auto-tuned and oh, trash. Yeah. And you should just have the original stuff. And they didn't even do creative like renditions of them. They just did like auto-tuned terrible like versions of <laughs> but it's more And that all of visual. it is trash, and that whole movie should be thrown out. <laughs> He's a uh, big tirade. He talks about today's hot take. Um, oh yeah. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> with on that note, <laughs> let's um, let's move on to. Uh, the next challenge so on pages like 44 through 47 there's this whole sort of discourse about being alone and Pressfield talks about how when he's alone he's not really alone because he's with his muse his self his characters his reader so um, the challenge was set aside some time to work on your art alone um, and as you do take note of who is with you um, and sort of let their presence motivate you so um, I think we'll start with Christina what did you sort of glean from this um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm always alone when I work, so yeah, that was hard. I realized hard. that that was, like, a little redundant, because I don't think most people are. But, um, yeah, I think that, I think the characters definitely, like, for this project, um, and they're still kind of fuzzy, so that's also interesting. Like, I'm still kind of, like, figuring them out, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like they're there, but, like, I'm like, who are you? Like, what are you? <laughs> who are you and what are you doing? Um, but yeah, I definitely think characters. I don't think. I don't think future audience, as much because I, I don't think I'm like there yet. I yeah. think that probably will come into play when I get it a little more fleshed out. And I think I think that's a good place to be for me at least right now because, it would be really easy for me 
to, it would be really influencing, I think, to be like, well, what are the people, what are the kids wanting these days? Like, you know? <laughs> and I was talking to my friend about this, and she's a writer, and she was like, I'm just, she's like, you know what? I am done with that. She's like, I am just like writing what I want to write, and like, at least I can say, like, I wrote what I wanted to write, you mm -hmm. know? And that will make mm -hmm. me feel better than like writing something for, for like this elusive audience that is changing every five years or whatever. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. or even faster. Or, yeah, I mean. Tastes yeah. change so quickly. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that was mine. That's cool. Um, Noel, what about you? Yeah, I think, I think in a sense, I think it's Joss Wheaton says, or Whedon, Whedon, I don't know how to say this last name. Whedon, yeah. Uh, um, talks about like how a work of art is like a child and you raise it up and then you let it go and it does its own thing and I think that's true especially for like painting I don't know how it is for like other things as much but for my experience like you know I don't think I've ever had a painting that was like I had like a vision like this is how I want it to go and this is how it was and it was exactly the same <laughs> there's always this element of like oh, the yellow took over there. I need to rein that in or, you know, something like that. Where it's really, I, I'm not doing a great job of explaining it, but I do think in a sense when you're creating, sometimes the work comes alive, at least in my experience. If it's good mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, well, <laughs> that sounds arrogant. Oh, if, if, it's, it if it's good, it comes alive. You guys have never experienced this, alive. but when you're a good artist, it comes alive. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, but I don't know if that's true for everything. Like, I don't know if that's true for potters. Like, I mean, but that's like, Harry, like Harry Potter's? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like uh, ceramicists. You know? Potters. Potters. Well, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah. but for me, if if I'm in the zone, the art take like the painting almost comes alive. That reminds and me has of its own personality. Twyla Tharp wrote about with like you build a scaffolding for what you want it to be, but then you have the freedom to let it as it mm -hmm. starts to like manifest to adjust and allow it to grow into its strengths and stuff. Yeah. 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 What about yeah, you, Becca? Or sorry, Nate. Okay. Oh no, no, no. Go ahead, Becca. Who is who is with you when you are creating? Um. So similar to Christina, I have like my characters I'm writing, but they're they're like fuzzy. I'm like, are you just like a stereotype? How do I make mm -hmm. you be more than just like, <laughs> this one desire? Mm -hmm. Um. And then like I think. I have like characters that I really love that I've read a lot, so um, mm. add, I think I always had like kind of Harry Potter in my mind a little bit to be like, is mm -hmm. this being like Harry Potter or is it being different? And like <laughs> Katniss Everdeen, it's like, am I just trying to take what they did or am I doing my own thing? Mm. Um, how would this, what are some strengths of that kind of character what are some things that I would want to do differently um and of course um Anna Karenina she's always there so yeah, yeah. lots of people yeah yeah you got a lot um, of people with you in there that's crowded in there yeah. whenever um. <laughs> whenever we put James to bed oftentimes he just screams like I don't want to be alone I oh. hate being alone Oh, Which man. like Derek like loves being alone. Like he would love to like just be alone for like months. <laughs> and like I love being with people. I'm just always like he may look exactly like Derek, but he loves people the way I do. Oh. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's adorable. Um, so what I what I found I was working on a song um, that is it's the song is about sort of two different people. And one of them is someone who I have not actually spoken to in like years. Um, but I found that both of those people, as I was writing the parts of the song that were about them, sort of, it's I find that they're sort of in the room with me because I'm speaking to them. Mm. Um, and then Wait, is this a that, completed song? 
No, it's not. It's almost done. Oh, okay. Um, but it's it's not not totally finished. Um, I was working on yeah, just working on it this week, and um, I. But the other thing that I noticed that that I didn't really expect was kind of similar to what you were saying, Becca, about like characters that you. Um, that you really like and that you think are really well executed is, you know, this song um, stylistically is really inspired by, like, the band Motion City Soundtrack, and so I was sort of... They, they were sort of present as well as, like, a... Like, this is, you know, there's, like, a sort of an essence to their songs um, that I really like and, you know, not that I want to just copy, but... but an energy that I want to sort of capture. And so having my influences present also, um, is, is something that I, um, yeah, something that I hadn't really thought about, but became aware of as I was doing this. There's Um, a great podcast episode, not ours, but, um, (laughs) on that kind of that subject. Um, so soda jerker Mm -hmm. on songwriting, Nate, I don't know if you follow them, but it's literally, I don't, Maybe two guys, two Brits, they're great. And they have interviewed, like, everybody. You'd love it. I don't know why I haven't told cool. you about this sooner. Um, <laughs> but anyway. They've they, a lot of really famous people, the, too. Oh, yeah. I don't know how they get these people, but it's it's amazing. Um, anyway, they interviewed the guy that wrote the music for Soul. Mm. And I can't remember his name. John, oh, John Batiste, maybe? Um, and he talks a lot about that in his songwriting, like, finding the essence of a song and, like, wanting to emulate that. Not emulate, like, the song, but just, like, the essence. And his thing is, like, joy. Like, he really wants to, like, he really wants to write so that, like, the essence of his music is, like, joy and people, like, feel that. Anyway, I just think that made me think of that, and I think you'd really like that episode. So I'll send it to you. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Um, I, uh, yeah, it's interesting because I don't, you know, with my influences being present, I don't actually think that's true in, with every song that I write, but I was particularly mm-hmm. aware of it this time. Um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to skip past something that we were going to talk about because I want to make sure we get to the third uh, challenge. And if we have time, we'll go back to the other thing maybe. But um, this last one is honestly less connected to the actual pages and more of just an exercise that I thought of that I thought would be fun. Um, this is my favorite one. But Oh, cool. Well, then... We'll have stuff to talk about. Um, so it was, you I, You could sort of connect it to the idea of like stardom. He talks about on page 43 and wanting to be famous and stuff. But it really is just something that I was doing independently of this. And I thought like, we should all do this. It's fun. Um, so pick an artist who inspires you and find an artist who inspired them. And then spend some time with that creator's work. Um, so um, Becca, why don't, why don't you go first since you, um, Sam, you. Oh, well, I looked up. J.K. Rowling, because I love Harry Potter so much. <laughs> and I found out that her, well, just guess. Who do you think her favorite author is? I had no idea. I'm not going to guess because you already told me earlier. Oh, yeah. Mm. Don't, you don't guess. Is it somebody that I know? Yeah. C.S. Lewis? Okay. Mm. I, Chesterton? J.K. Chesterton? Jane Austen. Oh. Her favorite author is Jane. Her favorite <laughs> I don't know book who that is, is now. I'm just kidding. Emma. Her That's favorite so book is Emma, and her her favorite author is Jane Austen, who, of course, is one of my favorite authors. So I read that, and I was like, ah, it's amazing. <laughs> I <laughs> am Nick <laughs> <laughs> We are the same. Yeah. That's um, so, you can see that? that, like, her. I've never thought of that, but Hermione is kind of Emma-ish. Hmm. Like how she, not how she, she doesn't set people up, but she like meddles. You know? No, never mind. I'm okay. not well read, it turns out. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, well, I could be totally wrong. I don't know about that because Hermione's always telling people what to do and it's good advice. Like, But anyway, so I have read all of Jane Austen's novels. And for Juvenilia, so I did not dig into Jane Austen. Um, <laughs> but then I read like her second, one of her second favorite books is um, Team of Rivals, which is a um, a history book about uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln's advisors and how he chose people who were like on mm. opposing sides and how this was really influential for him being like a wise leader and stuff. It is a tome of 
at least on Audible, 40 hours to listen to. I am, yeah, but I was listening to that right already now. had it's it downloaded. It's a full-time job. I already had it downloaded on my Audible as the next book to listen to after I finally finished 1491. So again, I am J.K. Rowling. So <laughs> I listened to a little bit of that. Um, it's it's good. It's well written. And I was surprised by um, on her list was also one of her most influential books was Lolita, which is a book by Nabokov, which is like really controversial, which I have intentionally never read because I read like a little bit of it and was like, oh, this is not, I don't think I need to read this. Um, So, but when I read that, that made sense with having, I could see some influences on her book, A Casual Vacancy, because some of the stuff in Lolita kind of fits in with there. Mm, Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Jane Austen! Hooray! That's really cool. That's very interesting. I would not have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that either. No, I wouldn't have either. That's cool, though. Um, what about uh, what about you, Noel? So I did two artists because I felt like, I don't know, I just didn't feel like there was a whole lot to dig into because I already... Like, the artist that I picked, I already knew the artist that inspired them, so I was like, oh, I should probably do another one, because I already sat, like, I sat with the work, but then I was like, I should probably do well, another Who one. are they? You're talking, say who uh, they are. <laughs> uh, so, Mary Cassatt was greatly inspired by Degas. Do you not um, say it, Mary Cassatt? Have I been saying it wrong? That's a tape. It's, <laughs> it's Cassatt. <laughs> Yes. No, I'm legitimately asking. I'm her no, it is. I've been. I said it wrong in an art history class and got made fun of. So yes, oh. I'm pretty sure it's Cassatt. Cassatt, yeah. Cassatt. <laughs> Instead of Mary. With Vermeer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's really interesting. I think like Degas said about her, like I would never get married, but if I was to get married, I would get married to her. Um, mm. And she never married either. Um, maybe they were secretly married. <laughs> they might have been lovers. Maybe. They're not Interesting. Sure. But they did do a lot of work together. So I sat with her work and his work. And it was really interesting because I think both of them kind of appreciate the female form, but in very different ways. You know, mm. Degas does the, the ballerinas. ballerinas right? yeah. And then, yeah. And then Cassatt does like a lot of mother and children, children paintings. Um, so, like, both kind of appreciating female beauty, but in different ways, um, in different, like, seasons of life, I guess. Um, and then one of my favorite artists is Klimt. I love Klimt. Yeah. And he was really influenced by Japanese woodblock artists. Mm. So That makes sense. That was really, yeah. And so that was fun to kind of, like, I did a blog post on it for Coffee and Creatives not that long ago. Um so some of the his stuff, like the the Great Wave, the famous Japanese oh, painting. I do know that. Or one. not painting. Yeah. Klimt liked that guy, the guy that did that. Cool. What's his name? Um, Hokusai. Hokusai. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think those are just really interesting influences. Like one, Klimt never talked to Hokusai. And then the other one, it was like, you know, a really deep friendship. Very involved, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And probably mutual influence, I would imagine. Yeah, like they painted, they have a painting together. Oh, nice. They got, and um, Cassatt. So. Very cool. Yeah, that was a good, I really enjoyed that exercise. So much, I did it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, What'd you, what'd you find, Christina? So I did, um, I don't know if this was the best choice, because they're not, like, super well-known, I think, but... I did, have you, do you guys know Andy Squires? I think so. No, I know okay. very little about anything, so no. Okay, well, he's not, it's okay, because he's not very well known. Um, actually, I think I heard of him through Lindsay Marks, who was on Coffee and Creatives for Enneagram, and she knows him. And he is like, really like look him up I'll send you the album um poet priest Nate I think you'd really like him hmm. he is oh, with like, a Y Squires yes with a Y um to me I was trying to explain him to my friend the other day and to me he's like the Madeline LaAngle of music like I just think he's he so he's like a Christian and he um 
but his music is like not like what you think of as like contemporary Christian music at all. It's like mm-hmm. very profound. It's very challenging. It's very like I don't know. It's it's so good. Anyway, um, he reminds yes, me a I lot. I know this guy. I re- I follow oh, his Instagram. Do? Okay, yeah. cool. His yeah, like he's... little essays are really interesting. So interesting. Yeah. So he um, reminded me when I first listened to him of Nick Cave, which I don't know. He's also like kind of fringe, but um, I really like Nick Cave. And it turns out that he's like a big influence on Andy Squires. And he's very similar. He's older. Um, But just like the way that he thinks about like the world and writes about like I don't know. I think it's something about how they incorporate like their faith into their music, but it's like mm-hmm. not Christian music per se. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's not, very not like, playing on Caleb. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> nah, definitely not. They should be, but um, yeah. So those were my those were my two like I guess deep dives. The only other two I thought of, I didn't like do this, but was um, Sarah Brawls because I love her and. Yeah. I know she's really influenced by Elton John. Hmm. And I like, didn't know that. Yeah, I and I like, either. and just like after I knew that, I started to like hear it more. I think in her like playing and like her songwriting and stuff. Hmm. Um, but that every was like I, an extra one. Every time I listen to Sarah Bareilles, I always think of you, Christina, because you introduced me to her. Really? And like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> When you were talking about Christian music, it reminded me, um, I just finished like a study of the Psalms this spring with my discipleship group and um, in studying the Psalms, like just looking at the full spectrum of like human emotion and the variety and depth of different genres, just how much like in the Bible is given for like the songs of God's people Mm. and then just like how very narrow and packaged the like Christian music genre is. I was like, mm-hmm. like, and I, I mean, I think we've all thought this for like a long time. Like that, the contemporary Christian music is like just very narrow and like yes. overpackaged. But just reading the Psalms, where I was like, we are so missing all of these things. Mm-hmm. We yeah. need the precatory Psalms back in the music. <laughs> yeah. Crush their teeth. That's oh, what we're missing. <laughs> Go listen to Andy Squires. Seriously, he's he's great. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, I, uh, I, so the artist that I picked is very, we, we've like, I feel like we've just, yeah, we, (laughs) um, I, uh, I love, I love his new song. I do too. I, I, his, uh, I'm really excited for his, his upcoming album, but, um, I'm so excited for it. I, uh, Ed Sheeran is probably more influential on my music than any other artist is. And I was... Um, I was looking at, you know, I, I, I knew that his, one of his influences was Damien Rice, um, cause he, I know that he, he actually mentions Damien Rice in a couple of his songs. Um, and when he's talked about him in the little bit that I found when I was looking into this, um, he mostly talked about, he went to like a Damien Rice concert and I think it was like 2002 or something. And he got to meet Damien afterward and, and basically said like if he had been a jerk i would not be doing what i'm doing now Mm -hmm. um and um so uh i listened to the earliest um damien rice album that i could find because i wanted to listen to like what i think you know he might have been listening to around that time um and interestingly i like you know even though his it's based on what i could find it kind of seemed like damien rice was more of like a personal inspiration rather than like a musical inspiration, but I could hear like some similarities between like very early Ed Sheeran and this Damien Rice music. Um, hmm. Which and, album did uh, you listen to of Damien Rice's? I listened to, um, I don't, but it'll take me two seconds yeah, to find it. yeah, musically I would not have put those two together, which is interesting. Yeah, I so the, and this is the really the only Damien Rice I've ever listened to. It's the earliest album that I could find. Uh, it's his album O from two thousand three. It's okay. the earliest album that I could find on Spotify that was not a live album. Yeah, um, that's interesting. But um, 
And it's not even, you know, there, and I don't know if his style changed a lot over the over the years. And it is very different from Ed Sheeran. Um, it's not like it's it's not like I don't think Ed was ripping him off, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. one for one or anything like that. But there's some stuff from specifically like early Ed Sheeran that I think like, oh yeah, like I can tell that he was probably listening to to this kind of thing. Hmm. Um, but um, that's so interesting. Yeah, so that's that's the last challenge. Um, Noel, why don't you share your assignments for, for next time? Okay. Um, so these are assignments for page 52 through 67. And I just extended the page numbers a little bit because there was a, um, a chapter was long. Mm -hmm. um, so make a list of some justifications you have for why you shouldn't spend time on your creativity today, tomorrow, or any day. And um, and just kind of like counteract those lists, counteract those the things on your list, like why it's actually okay, or why it might not actually be okay. Because again, I think Pressfield's kind of like black and white on something, or maybe he shouldn't be black and white on something. What if I make the um, list and then I quit? <laughs> make the list and you're like, oh, maybe I just actually shouldn't do art. <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't do this because he has, he has this thing on one of the in one of the I have to look it up. But he's like, the difference between a professional is like what's urgent and then what's necessary. And you do what's necessary first mm -hmm. rather than what's urgent. And it's like, but what if someone's bleeding what or like needs to go mouth. to the ER? <laughs> yeah, like if something's <laughs> urgent, it's urgent. <laughs> like, mm. they call that urgent care. So, <laughs> but, mm. um, and so the next one is take a trip through art this week. Re, uh, a time like a trip through time sorry um with your art this week and re, re sorry rewrite or repaint or sing a piece of artwork that you completed in your past hmm. oh i just want you to find one of your paintings noel and like sing to it <laughs> you do it you do that <laughs> no you do it <laughs> i don't sing um, sure you do Everybody sings. It's just like talking, but okay. louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. Sure thing, Nate. <laughs> we can argue about this later. You <laughs> yeah. think I'm rough to make sing. She's the master. Oh, oh, gosh. Did you refuse to sing so much that you got kicked out of children's choir? Because it's fine. Okay. That's um, kind of rad, actually. Go on. Um, do you consider yourself an amateur or a professional? Do you love your creativity enough to be professional, quote unquote? Make a list mm. of things you could do to love your art and creativity more and choose one to do this week. And then the second part of this exercise is when practice, when practicing your creative craft this week, encourage yourself by reminding yourself that you love your creativity even when it's difficult. Journal about times in your life when loving something or someone was difficult and how did you love during difficult times. Then journal about how you can love your creativity during difficult times. Take notes on how you feel during this exercise. That one was very uh, Julia Cameron inspired. <laughs> yeah, send that in a text later. <laughs> <laughs> no, those um, are good. And the last one is... Another one! Why do you think I made of time? <laughs> this yes. is so it much. Throws down the last exercise. Another. <laughs> Another. I maybe went a little overboard. I didn't sleep a lot this week, so I was a little manic. Um, the last one is is sit down at the same time every day and just every work for day. five just for five minutes. For five minutes, an attempt to in an attempt to schedule your creativity. How does that impact you? You don't have to do all of them, Becca. Three out of the four. Three out of the four. <laughs> you can do it. Sorry. I can. I, I didn't look at Instagram for three days. I can yeah, do anything. Yeah, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you can do anything. Um, oh, yeah, also, good. wait, no, this is not podcast appropriate. Never mind. Oh, I found okay. out that I did have a virus when I ran that half marathon. My doctor said that I had a virus and I was pregnant when I ran it, and that's why I was pooping my brains out. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Did you talk yeah. about that on the podcast? I did not, but now I did. So there you go. Now the world knows. <laughs> um, well, so we're we're really we're like 
we're running a little bit long, but um, just quickly, uh, how's, how are everyone's personal projects going? Um, we'll start with you, Becca, since you just shared something wildly personal. <laughs> Good. Good. Sure so. Probably had the best week in a year. Wrote a couple pages. Nice. Hey. Nice. Yay. Star creative. Awesome. That's the first time I've gotten feel. to say that. <laughs> Star creative. Uh, Christina. Um, yeah. This week was good. I think the best thing that happened was I met with um, a friend, the, the writer friend I mentioned, and she had read some of my draft and she gave me some really good advice and like Yay. just like I have a lot of work to do, but it was really good. It's just really good to get feedback and like fresh eyes and ears mm -hmm. and stuff. So that was really good. Great. Nice. Um, what about you, Noel? Um, I work. I did work on my next painting series. I did some studies for it, which I don't usually do, and I think I might take it in a different direction than I originally thought. Ooh. I think I might do like a drawing, painting combination again, and do like watercolor instead of acrylic because I've been playing around a lot with watercolor and I've gotten a lot of good feedback and I've had a lot of fun with that. Um, and the acrylic pieces I've been working on just haven't been, haven't come alive like we talked about today. So <laughs> I might try and adjust. Gotcha. What about you, Nate? Um, well, like I was saying earlier, I worked on a song this week that is most of the way finished. The second verse is really the only thing that I get. I just have to finish the second verse and then it'll basically be done. Um, so that's good. And I also had the experience this week of, um, you know, I talked in a previous episode about how I sort of like finished a song that a friend had written and I had the experience of like playing that live at a show for the first time. Um, and at that same show played a song that I had only played live one other time. So just getting to play new stuff for audiences mm -hmm. and like, um, that's not like songwriting related directly, but it is, you know, it's part of the process of sharing it. And so getting to share stuff that I wrote relatively recently um, and getting, seeing how people respond to it was pretty cool. So. It was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Coffee and Creatives. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support us on our creative journeys and podcasts, please rate and review our show on whatever platform you're enjoying it. You can also follow us on our Instagram and Facebook page. To learn more about our creative journey, check out our Instagram at Coffee and Creatives. We publish a blog every Friday, which you can find on our website, coffeeandcreativesproject.com. Our theme music is by Patrick Nichols. Derek McCauley and Patrick Nichols are our producers. Christina Nichols is our special event and guest creative. Rebecca McCauley is our writing content creative. Nate Hutchings is our content creative. Noah McManus is our creative director.